Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast, where we share the stories of the Strong Towns movement in action. I'm your host, Rachel. Today's guest is my new colleague here at Strong Towns, Norm Van Eden Petersman. He joined the team in late July as our brand new first ever member advocate. You'll hear more about what that means during the interview. But you'll also hear a lot about the fascinating work that he's been doing before he started his job here. Prior to this, Norm was a pastor, and in this conversation, he'll discuss the connection that he sees between his religious ministry and his strong town's leadership. Some other cool things that Norm has done, biked every street in his city of Delta, British Columbia with his son, helped found a strong town's Toastmasters group, and decided to speak up at a city council meeting in favor of allowing more rental housing. That moment of standing up at a council meeting led him to look around at the others who were also supporting that rental housing initiative and gather those people together into what eventually became DELPOP, which stands for Deltons for People-Oriented Places, a local conversation group that is discussing and advocating on Strongtown's issues in their city. In particular, this group has focused on speaking up when they support something and sharing that support with elected officials to help bolster positive change. They recognize how often people speak up in opposition to things that they don't like. We are all familiar with that experience and decided to counteract those negative voices with advocacy for things, for housing, for bike lanes, for small businesses, etc., instead of just against things. So I know you'll be inspired by Norm's enthusiasm and vision in this conversation. Norm Van Eden Petersman, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast. It is so great to have you on the show. Thanks, Rachel. It's awesome to be on the show. I've always listened to the episodes and now I'm glad to be finally on it. Good to have you. I feel like I know you so well already, even though you've only been on the Strong Towns team for like, is it a month now? So um, glad to get the chance to dive a little deeper and let our audience get to know you too. So Norm, can you start by telling us a little bit about how you first got connected with Strong Towns, um, how you first heard of Strong Towns, and then why it hooked you? Yeah, I was pastoring a congregation in Vineland, Ontario, uh, serving as a Christian pastor there. And in that town, I was trying to get a sense of why it was that the town felt disconnected, why it was that the roads that passed through the town seemed to be the most prominent feature of that town and how it was that that was impacting my community and my congregation. And so as I started looking into that, I, I discovered things on form-based code and other types of suggestions about how to remake small communities in particular. Uh, but then I came across Chuck's writing on the Strong Towns blog in 2014. And that made a huge impact on me because it began to explain how this got to be this way and what we could do about it. And the challenge is, is that I didn't feel like I had a place yet or a deep knowledge of the place that I was in in order to actually make those changes, but it felt so good to begin to understand that change was possible, uh, change to the way that we allocated the roads, uh, the way that we introduced um, the, the different types of uses on, in those spaces, what it would take to revitalize small businesses and things like that. One of the uh, key concepts for me the idea of a place having good bones and yet struggling as a consequence of changes that had happened to it. 
Uh, that totally described what my community was like. And as I thought it through, I wanted to find out more and more about what are we doing and how can we make it better? Wow. So you started reading Strong Towns in 2014. That's quite a while. Um, I understand better why you seem to have such a deep familiarity with the archive of articles from the last decade. That's very impressive. It's nice to have favorites from every single year. And then you realize after a while that you kind of got to know a fair amount about the canon or that the idea of Strong Towns and what it is that uh, how, the many different threads that it applies to. That's what I found uh, in chatting with members in member orientation sessions, that they are applying Strong Towns ideas in, in a lot of different ways. And usually I can think of a, of a quick article or podcast uh, to send to them to help them on their way as well. You were pastoring a church uh, at that time, 2014 or so. And what have you been doing since then up to when you uh, applied to come work here with us? I've been pastoring. And so in that time, uh, for 10 years, I served two different congregations, one in Ontario, and then most recently a congregation in Vancouver, British Columbia. And during that time, as I was reading and as I was exploring these things, I I started sharing more and more Strong Towns articles. I shared them with counselors and members of the elected uh, bodies in Southern Ontario. Then when I moved to BC, then it was an opportunity for me to meet a new crop of elected officials and started sharing articles. And uh, one of the first ones that I shared with a counselor in Richmond, BC, one of the counselors responded back about parking minimums. And she said, hey, I'd love to have you present on this to the transportation committee. I said, why would I be the one presenting this? But at the same time, I said, sure, I was up for it. So I, I went, appeared, shared Donald Choup's ideas of parking benefit districts and some of the nitty gritty about how parking requirements are harming our communities. And the consequence of that became follow-up conversations and opportunities to at least hopefully have had a bit of an impact there. But then we moved to a new community in Delta uh, which is just across the river from Richmond, where we were outside of Vancouver. And once I got there, I realized that we had come to a place that I thought we would stay a long time. And I was still pastoring, still driving up into Vancouver to preach on Sundays and visit with the congregants and meet with others. But I also began taking note of where I lived. During the pandemic, my son and I, we made a challenge for ourselves to bike every single street and alley in our little uh, community that we live in. And so we mapped it on Strava and it was a super cool exercise to go and deliberately try to capture every part of the community that we were in. And it was kind of in that time too that I also began sharing articles with the local officials here. You can see the pattern. Uh, and I gave a copy of Chuck's book to a local city councilor uh, that I went for a walk with. And I said, I think you would really enjoy this. And he got back to me and he said, I love the book. It's so helpful. He said it gave me a perspective on things that I, I was looking for. I needed this type of information to explain how things are the way that they are. And he said it's made budget times and budget discussions more difficult because the questions that I'm asking are now much more, can we afford this? What's the productivity benefit that comes from this? And that began a great relationship with him uh, that then led to an opportunity about a year and a half ago, our city council was discussing small very modest changes to their bylaws around rental units in houses. 
And I spoke up at that public hearing to in support of the changes that were being introduced because we need, frankly, a lot more to happen on that front. And there were a bunch of other people that also spoke up. And so I made a note of who I thought I could connect with afterwards. And once I did that, uh, then that began a process of starting a, a local conversations group here in Delta uh, called Deltans for People-Oriented Places. Uh, we followed uh, the work that Carrie Westerbeck has done down in Bothell, Washington, uh, where they have Bopop, and we decided let's be Delpop. Uh, People-Oriented Places really was an idea that captured me, the, the, the re reorientation of our design decisions, of our planning decisions, of our, of our approvals process, even what we fund around the needs of people first, and then considering how can we shape uh, the environment uh, in a way that really highlights the needs of people, whether they walk, roll, uh, cycle, whatever it is that they're doing, or if they also are in a car uh, to try to take a, a broad um, spectrum of needs into consideration rather than defaulting to the pattern of auto-oriented development that our community has really been constructed with for the many past number of decades. But uh, we're, hope we're trying to change that and uh, trying to do a bunch to reform uh, the way that our, our city exists and the way that it works. That's quite a journey that you've been on. Um, I think the way that you decided to connect with people by noting others who spoke up at that public meeting, that's such an interesting way of kind of connecting with others and building a coalition. I think I know that there are people in our audience right now who are trying to get Strong Towns local conversation groups started and kind of starting from scratch or wondering, how do I recruit people? Do I just kind of like call my friends or um, how do I find like-minded people? And I think that is a very creative way of doing that, going into a public situation and seeing, oh, who, who seems to be uh, sharing my views? What happened after you wrote down those people's names and, you know, contacted them and said, let's do something about this? Yeah, we had a preliminary first meeting and uh, there were nine people that showed up for it on Zoom. And we just talked about the issues that we were seeing. And I said, what we need is a group that organizes people to speak up uh, in, in favor of things that are happening in the community. Uh, Carrie Westerbeck had used in the podcast that you did with him a number or a while back, uh, the phrase, I like what's happening in my city. And if you kind of like it too, then why don't we meet up? And so I wanted our group to really be focused on real good things that were happening and to support those things when they were happening. What we perceive in our community, and this is common across North America, well, I think it's common in human psychology, is if you perceive something to be a threat, your level of readiness to dive in and do something about it is much higher than it is if you generally perceive something to be a good thing. A good thing is something you can enjoy. A threat is something you need to impose. The challenge is, while we were sitting on our, on our chairs enjoying small changes that were happening in the city, many people were opposing other changes like more housing, bike lanes, all of those different types of things. And we said, well, we, we want to see more of these things or these are good things. And so we need to speak up. City councillors have told us that they know there's a large block of people that are generally supportive of the vision that the city has for itself but they confront people that oppose their plans on a case-by-case -case basis with such vitriol and such anger that the politician in them says, we need to shy away from some of these bolder decisions or else we're going to get tossed out of office. 
it's not only for those reasons, but they do, as they listen, they hear people very vociferously oppose things. Meanwhile, the rest of, uh, of the regular people, you could say, are just sitting back enjoying the general development of the city around them and then wondering why we have a housing crisis, why single detached homes in, La in Ladner, the community that I'm in, uh, sell for 1.2 million. Uh, the days of the starter home are gone and forgotten. Uh, even condos sell for about 800,000. Uh, and so it is really, really difficult for people to make, make progress. And it's even more frustrating when opportunities to add more housing stock are stifled because of people reacting with with opposition or that's opportunity or they feel that they have to stand up for something that benefits them uh, even though it harms the rest of the community so the result of that was that we committed to meeting regularly and then began to form working groups and tried to build out a website and began holding uh, monthly meetups and we've met almost every single month uh, since march of 2021 and that's uh, been a really good way just to have a, a regular point of meeting and meeting with uh, new people, inviting people to come along. We had an architect present a project that he's working on and got our input as to what types of things that we thought were, were wise in what he was proposing. Maybe some of the things that he could consider as he was engaging the community. Other people share links, share articles. Uh, we send out a monthly newsletter, all things to try to put municipal issues onto people's radar and when they begin to become aware of it then they become quite passionate about it and that's been uh, really cool to see as well so many good insights there i think particularly the the comment about having people speak up in favor of things and express their support for things instead of only showing up when they're opposed um, that is so true and so valuable we hear from a lot of uh, especially elected officials who we know want to make changes in their community that are aligned with the strong town's approach and principles. But it's kind of hard to do that if you don't know whether anyone in your community would actually support those changes. And there's like a few loud voices in the corner saying, no, don't do that. Don't allow that new housing or whatever. So having just a cohort of people who say, yes, we do want this. That's really powerful. Love it. I feel like I learned that in two different places. One was in pastoral ministry. I would preach sermons and there would be often, you know, kind responses afterwards. Thank you, pastor, or thank you for the message this morning. But the folks that were really opposed to perhaps a, a sentence I had included in the sermon or some element, they didn't like an illustration that I used, uh, those responses would be much, much stronger. And mm -hmm. over time, for, for my own sake, I had to realize that I had to take into account the nature of opposition and, and the contrast with, yeah, what I you know, described as, as either enjoying it or, or finding some fruit in something. And then the other experience was I worked for a year and a half in a mayor's office uh, doing communications for the mayor. And so I was fielding questions from the public, letters that would come in. And again, the contrast was so striking that the letters of opposition would uh, be slanderous or they would be just at, you know, ex, uh, extreme rhetoric being used. There would be, I mean, every so often there would be a good one, uh, but we would have a little contest amongst ourselves called the letter of the day contest uh, because we would find the most outlandish letters of opposition and consider them as contenders for the letter of the day award. And it was a way to keep our own sanity because the letters of support were generally quite measured, quite appreciative and quite short. 
But the letters of opposition were the ones uh, that really got people going. And so in, in both of those places, both in the municipal politics side, but also in church, realized that there's we react differently and we want to take the, it isn't to dismiss it in any way when someone is opposed to something. We do need to address threats in our, in our own built environment, things that affect us. Uh, but then the question is when, when you have something so core like housing, uh, which everyone needs and no one can go without, uh, then we should be uh, ready uh, to do what's necessary to, to bring that about. So our Delpop, land gr or our Delpop group, uh, we say that our, our slogan is uh, better land use and more housing. And the I love that the better land use part especially arises directly out of strong towns. Uh, land is a scarce commodity and we must use it carefully. Uh, we can't just delegate everything to what the transportation engineer would say is the, the optimal version of a road if it's a waste of the land uh, that we could use that land uh, more in a better way and actually benefit more people as just one example. So, so you all have been active with Delpop for about a year and a half. What are some of the results that you're most proud of that you've accomplished together? Yeah, we ran a little campaign called Yes for Ladner Village. Ladner Village is a wonderful old fishing town that has really good bones. It's got a fine grained street layout, some older buildings that are there, the old municipal hall is there, and it's a lovely place. However, it has struggled with disinvestment and dilapidated properties existing within the village for quite a long time. And there's many parcels that simply have not developed because of really strict zoning requirements. And so the city of Delta, after years and years of consultation, finally brought another plan forward uh, to, I would say, very, very modestly change uh, the zoning requirements and allow, allow a little bit more height, a little bit more density, and critically, uh, to bring more people into the village core, which would help the merchants, would create more life, nightlife, uh, allow more things to happen, uh, invest in that community. And Initially, we perceived that there was going to be a lot of opposition to it. And so we began to rally speakers in support of it. And when it came time for the public hearing uh, on this particular topic, uh, we had enough people show up that there were more people in favor of the, of the proposal uh, than against it. And that's quite rare. And success, uh, we were successful in having the city council approve it and make that next step in allowing for more investment within uh, the village and trying to educate. It was a great, I, I love the campaign, one for the outcome, but also because it gave us a great opportunity to educate people about the, the what I would say the harmful aspects of our overzoning of our places, over-regulating of places, not allowing gaps in streets to be filled with a, a use that would be complementary. Uh, mixed use zoning, all of those different concepts. It was a great teaching opportunity as well. And I really enjoyed uh, that that aspect of it. Yeah, that's awesome. So switching gears a little bit, um, I want to ask something that I had really hoped would be asked of you in your interview for your job at Strong Downs, but my coworkers did not ask it. Um, so I'm going to ask it now. What do you see as the connection between your work as a pastor, which you've done for many years, and transitioning into this role at Strong Towns, um, serving as member advocate? How 
that's a pretty big like career shift. What led you to decide to do that? Or is it not a big career shift? It It is a considerable shift, but uh, it arises out of, for me, an understanding that when I labored in pastoral ministry, I had a, a general call to share uh, a message with many, many people, as many people as would listen, um, and to minister locally within a congregation and care for people wherever they were at as they came through the doors and as they would enter into our home or enter into others' homes. But I also felt that it was a challenge to consider more broadly the needs of the community around me. And a lot of churches are are grappling with that, and especially for me in a pastoral setting that my responsibilities of, of preparing sermons and uh, meeting with people and counseling uh, meant that I was limited in the ways that I could be more engaged in other things. And so what I felt really was that when I was ready to transition out of pastoral ministry, uh, the church that we, I was pastoring was was is very small, and uh, it was getting to the place where I felt that I needed a, a change uh, to take place. And I thought, how do I continue to act in a way that foregrounds mercy while at the same time broadening sort of the scope of that. And that's one of the things that really appealed to me about Strong Towns. In some of the articles and some of the places, uh, there will be a more explicit sort of reference to concepts like mercy and justice. Uh, that is, you know, for me, uh, shared language with, with biblical concepts that I hold dear. And as I thought about it, especially the parable of the Good Samaritan really came to mind that the work of caring for those that are broken and hurting and struggling is something that every pastor cares deeply about, but every congregant in Christian communities and other faith communities, uh, they, they care about those things. But I, I was always concerned that questions of the built environment were sort of left to the side. Uh, it was more is there a play, way that we can provide someone with a cup of soup? Or is there a way that we can you know, help someone if they feel lonely? And yet Strong Towns was saying, for example, on loneliness, one of the reasons uh, that we are all struggling with loneliness, or virtually many people are, is because of the way that we've built our community. And as I grappled with that, I realized that I had a limited way to help people to change the way that their street was laid out as their pastor. I could try to encourage them. And sometimes I said, you should write to your mayor and council. But then the opportunity at Strong Towns came up uh, to be engaging with members already doing those things. And I thought, oh, I'd love to do that. I felt like there was a really neat opportunity to broaden that sense of, of seeking mercy and justice. Uh, mercy being undeserved favor or what uh, George Monbiot would, would talk about in the context of public luxury. And to me, Strong Towns is, has a way of, of building out public luxuries, a good street to walk on rather than a, a bad one, a, a community pool that just is open because the funding cuts have been reversed and you realize we need more gathering places. Uh, there's so many aspects of the way that we, uh, for example, assume that people that are poor are going to live near highways and, and suffer with the noise that comes of it. And you think of the the parable of the Good Samaritan that's told in the Bible, the Good Samaritan is going down a bad road. I mean, not the Good Samaritan, the, the man that falls prey to uh, the robbers is going down a rough road. Well, there's a lot of rough roads in North America. And we also know what a safer street looks like. 
We know what a happier street looks like. Uh, we know even, uh, you know, maybe not to, I don't want to push this too far, but we know that sometimes robbers are acting the way that they are be, in part because of their built environment. And so as I think of that, I think that there are many opportunities uh, for me to continue to sort of uh, care, um, seek mercy, seek justice, uh, but do so now in, in this broader sense by um, really trying to tap into what our members are doing um, throughout in their communities and, and seeing that uh, spill over. And so I wanted the idea of helping to build out the membership program uh, to reward members in, in many different ways or make it uh, that people understand that they are an essential part of the Strong Towns mission, uh, to me, totally overlapped with what, uh, as I would view my pastoral call as well, is that in churches, most pastors will say, it's not me that is the, the heart of the congregation, it's the members. And so members are to you know take what they hear or take what is is offered to them and and apply it in their own lives and to me that's that's a direct parallel with what uh, we want to do with strong towns in terms of sharing great content and making it widely known but then having giving people practical steps that they can follow uh, to see this uh, come about in their own community kind of like starting a community group like i did here in in, in lander in delta what are some of the things that you're looking forward to working on in this new role as member advocate? I know you're just getting started, but is there anything that you're particularly excited about in the coming months and year ahead? I am fascinated by the idea of there being 1,000 local conversations groups in North America, because I think that that is one of the pieces that will answer the questions that I hear in member onboarding uh, sessions that I've been sitting in on and leading now, as well as correspondence that I've had with members and calls that I've had with members, is often the question is, well, are there other people like me near me? I get that there are other people that share the Strong Towns you know, vision, watching not just bikes videos or uh, posting on Reddit or posting on our Slack chat or in our Facebook pages, but are there people nearby? Almost everybody asks me that question. And so what I'm super excited about is that Strong Towns is saying, okay, let's make that happen. Let's find a way uh, to not only have members generally across North America, but specifically in community after community after community, and uh, take that, uh, that into the local action uh, that we continue to insist is the core of our Strong Towns approach is local action. But local action works better for me in Delta, it's worked better because I had eight or nine other people and now it's over 20 people that are joining with me in this work. And the same thing is gonna happen, um, I think with greater impact in more and more communities uh, across North America. And I should uh, shout out uh, to uh, Noel, a member from New Zealand that said, hey, we're facing the exact same things and I'm so thankful for Strong Towns out here too. And I encouraged him to set up a local conversations when he has the time for it, uh, which I hope will happen so that way it is uh, even in the su Southern Hemisphere, we'll see more groups uh, popping up and uh, people finding uh, connection together. Excellent. Yeah, I'm excited about the future of local conversations as well. So we're probably going to try to do a whole episode on this uh, for a subsequent episode. But can you just at least tease for our audience a little bit about the Strong Towns Toastmasters group? What is this? How did it get started? And um, what are you all doing over there? Yeah, I love, 
I love me some Toastmasters and I love strong towns. And actually, as I was applying for jobs and doing different things, those were two of the big pieces that I was putting on my resume, writing about in my cover letter, saying I care about municipal issues and I care about uh, Toastmasters and the ability to speak persuasively as, as someone uh, that cares about things, wanting that message to get out. And so even before I went to seminary, I was part of the City Hall Toastmasters Club in Surrey, British Columbia. And it was a great opportunity for me to practice being a public speaker. Uh, Toastmasters clubs exist across North America, actually the whole world. And they are just learning laboratories where a bunch of people get together without any sense of judgment or shame. And they try to do things with public speaking that they wouldn't otherwise try. And the benefit of that is that people become much more confident and they're more equipped uh, to speak in what we would say in the real world. Well, what happened then is uh, when I came back, when I moved to Vancouver, I joined the City Hall Vancouver uh, Club and was enjoying that. And there were great opportunities for mentorship and for speech, working on speech contests and things like that. I thought what we really need is a club for the community to enjoy uh, within the strong towns world as well. And so Jennifer Goffin, who is uh, an amazing person down in San Diego, she is an organizing dynamo. And she and I connected and we said, all right, let's do this. And so I'm trying to remember, I think it was June of this past year that we started with our first meeting as a club and anyone is welcome to attend. It's on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific or 8 p.m. Eastern. And it occurs uh, every week on Zoom, and it's been awesome. Uh, we've had speakers talk about chickens. We've had speakers talk about just walking down a path and what they saw. We've had people talking about where they live or where they wish they lived. And it's been so interesting. And maybe one of the highlights of it for me is that it's felt like a travel log every time mm. that we've had a meeting. Because when people talk about issues in their community, they talk, they describe their community as it currently exists. Think of a Rick Steves or other uh, travel blogger and, and it's someone that describes places. Well, that's what you get every single time because when people talk about issues, they talk about the places that they live and what they love about it and why they care about it. And that's been a, a really cool thing. And so we held actually a super successful event this past Wednesday which was a virtual council meeting. And so I got to play mayor fiddlesticks and I was the mayor presiding over the council meeting and we had several petitioners or members of the public come and give speeches. And it was an amazing opportunity for them to practice giving a speech before a city council. But then we also had questions from the a couple of the council members would ask a question of the speaker. And so you got, if you were an attendee, you got to witness someone being asked in the moment to answer a question and responding with data or responding with compelling arguments uh, to further clarify things. But then the critical piece, and this is why Toastmasters makes sense in this context, is we evaluated the whole thing. We offered suggestions on how the speakers could have been more compelling. We offered uh, commentary on what they did really well. And the benefit of that is that it taught the whole group, over 30 people that attended, taught all of us what it takes or what different approaches you can have as you engage with local elected officials. And what I love about it is we had several elected officials join the meeting 
because they wanted to pick up some notes and ideas that they could share with members of their own community to say, next time you come to us, perhaps consider this. Uh, because we know what it is to hear an off-putting story or an off-putting speech, but to be persuasive takes practice. And that's what we're trying to do with the Strong Towns Toastmasters. And uh, yeah, to all the guests that are listening, come join us. Uh, it's awesome. I, it's been really, really fun. It's definitely a highlight of my week each week. Yeah, that's so cool and really filling a need. I think uh, a lot of people could probably use some help and confidence boost when it comes to public speaking. Um, certainly true for me. Uh, so I need to tune into one of those meetings at some point. That sounds like a commitment, Rachel. All right. So Norm, to close this out, what advice would you give for somebody that's listening that is enthusiastic about trying to get some Strong Towns momentum going in their community, whether they're ready to try to start a local conversation group or just try to connect with some like-minded folks and uh, start speaking up about Strong Towns issues? What advice would you offer? I would say the best thing to do is to pick something small, a small action or a small issue uh, that you can confront in order to then seed the ground for sort of the next stage of it. And it was sharing a book, uh, as well as prior to that, sharing just a few articles. Uh, public officials tend to be somewhat receptive, depending on the scale or the size of the city. But in my community, I found just by being positive and sharing something useful and being respectful to say, I know you're busy, but I'd love for you to read this uh, because I think that this is going to be helpful for building our community, making our community stronger. I think the consequence of that has played itself out in so many really interesting ways and begun to snowball in my community. And I'm confident that that same thing can happen in, in your community as well. A lot of people are posting questions. How do I make that next step? I, I feel like I'm discouraged. And part of it is just to say, well, find another small thing that you can do. Uh, don't expect big outcomes. In fact, we've had it with Delpop meetings that the days where I've expected the fewest people to show up because it's raining outside or it seems like everybody else hasn't responded and I don't know if anybody's gonna show up. Those tend to be the meetings when the most people come. And so having low expectations, having a long view, uh, that would definitely be uh, pieces of advice that I would have for everyone. Well, thank you so much, Norm, for coming on the show and for coming to work with us at Strong Towns. It's been great having you so far. And I will make sure to include a link to your email along with other stuff that you've mentioned today so that people can connect with you if they're interested in learning more about membership. Um, but thanks for coming on the show, Norm. Awesome. Thanks, Rachel. As they as say, I've been a, a longtime listener and I'm thrilled that I could be a first time guest. So thank you so much. All right. If you'd like the chance to connect with Norm further, I'll make sure to put his email in the show notes, like I said. Also, if you join as a member of Strong Towns, you will probably get the opportunity to meet Norm in one of our new member onboarding sessions, which he mentioned briefly. Those are really cool online Zoom gatherings where you'll be paired with a few other new members just to get to know the Strong Towns movement better, get to know each other a little bit. They're totally optional, but we've found so many great stories and connections and people throughout, throughout hosting those over the last several months. 
and if you don't attend one of those, you can always still connect with Norm. He's our member advocate, so he wants to advocate for you and this movement and help you get connected with resources to build a strong town where you live. So thanks everyone for listening. We will be back here next week with another episode. Take care. Mm-hmm.